Mitch. What's up, man? It's Craig Smith, the Rhino, former NBA player and BC legend. Losing the ball. Smith has it. Hudson bounce pass to Craig Smith. Puts it down. Who's afraid of that big bad wolf? My guy met a world peace pipe. Man, a hell of a name. I'm not going to lie to you. I want to shout out to the halftime basketball community from E. Devendorf, former Syracuse basketball player. Metal World Peace Pipe, what's going down? It's the big baller, baby. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the halftime community from the big baller himself. That's right. You guys keep it right and tight. Keep doing your thing because Big Baller Brand is in the building and you know how we gets down. But anyways, y'all do y'all thing, and we gonna do our thing, cause Big Ballers gotta stick together. Again, shout out to the Halftime Community. That's right. Big Ballers out, baby, and I holla. Crowder looking, throws it, alley in the hole, and he puts it down, he puts it down. It's over. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with the legend Brian Ott. He is back on with us again. Um, we're going to talk a little bit of Mavericks basketball, Mavericks offseason. They've already made some moves in the general manager position. Uh, new head coach, Rick Carlisle out, Jason Kidd in. And then we're going to talk about everybody's favorite subject, uh, Ben Simmons right now. We're going to exercise the demons, talk through some of that, um, talk some NBA finals. Let's start out with the Mavericks, though. Uh, and shout out to the Mavericks community on the app. We've got some great Mavericks fans on there. We've got you. We've got Swish, um, Abdu, and a.k.a. the German Jesus. I, I saw I changed <laughs> his name on there. Uh, Dominator. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but that, that's a great start for the Mavericks community. So we've got a good community on there. I do want to talk about the new head coach, Jason Kidd, obviously. Um, people are pretty excited, I, I'm sure, in the Mavericks community. He, he won a championship there. Um, he's kind of kicked around the league a little bit as a head coach, so he has that experience. Um, what What are your initial thoughts on the Jason Kidd hiring? So, in truth, I've had a good amount of time to think about this because basically as soon as our head coaching position became available, obviously there were a bunch of candidates thrown out there, but I kind of always thought Kidd would be the one that would get the job because Cuban has just had a tendency to gravitate towards former Mavs and you know, he has head coaching experience and he obviously won the championship with the Mavs, was drafted by the Mavs, is well known throughout that organization. In terms of his fit as a coach, though, um, thinking about it more and more, I actually am more and more optimistic because what I know about Jay Kidd as a coach, and this goes as both an assistant and as a head coach, is that he seems to always have great relationships with superstar players. The Mavs' one and only goal in selecting a new head coach should have been who is going to make Luka a better player and who is going to have a great relationship with Luka. Jason Kidd seems like he could do that. Um, you know, he gets a lot of crap, I think, for not doing as well with the Bucks as maybe Budenholzer did afterwards. But I actually looked this up beforehand, and the Bucks were 15-67 and 67 the year before he got there. As soon as he got there, they made the playoffs. Giannis started getting a lot better. They made the playoffs most of the time he was there. Um, so it's not like he had a complete failure of a job there. He actually brought them from basically nothing into a pretty good team and turned Giannis into a two-time MVP and one of the superstars of the league. 
And even when he was departing Milwaukee, uh, you know, there were stories coming out that Giannis was not happy about that and was furious and was trying to do everything to save Jason Kidd's job because him and Kidd have a great relationship. So, I mean, I see that as actually a positive and hopefully with this Mavs team, he can grow them more. Uh, another thing that really sticks out to me is that he did a really good job of developing players in Milwaukee, Giannis obviously in particular, but that's been something the Mavs organization has really struggled with for basically ever. Um, you know, even Luca, we didn't really develop. He came in as a pretty finished product and happened to already be good. Um, but traditionally the Mavs do not often turn their draft picks into assets for their team. So I'm hoping that maybe with Jason Kidd, he can do a little bit more of that. Uh, you know, I actually really liked our draft last year. Um, getting, we got Josh Green at the mid late first round, um, Tyler Terry at the very beginning of the second round, and Tyler Bay in a uh, trade with Philadelphia. I liked all three of those picks, and none of them really made an impact this year. And I think throughout kind of Carlisle's tenure as a head coach, he's had a reluctancy to give rookies minutes. Um, I think Jason Kidd will probably not be that way, and I'm hopeful that we can actually start developing some of our own players uh, with him on board. So I think overall I am optimistic for what Kidd brings. And, you know, it all comes down to what's his and Luca's relationship going to be like. And from hearing the way that Giannis has spoken about him, from hearing the way that LeBron has spoken about him, um, and, you know, they're guys that are obviously superstars in this league that have been coached by him and all seem to really, really respect him and his opinions. So... I'm hopeful that it'll go well. And honestly, the whole, the biggest thing that's going to determine the Mavericks' success is probably what he can get out of Kristaps. Because unless something drastic happens this offseason, which, you know, I'd, I'd love for the Mavs to somehow pry Kawhi away, like there's been some rumors about, but I'm pessimistic that that'll actually happen. So, in all likelihood, what's going to determine this Mavs team's ultimate ceiling is how good a number two can Kristaps be. Because I think. Most Mavs fans, and certainly I am confident that Luka's not going to be a problem to be the number one. It's going to be who can be his supporting cast. And I'm hopeful that Kid can get a lot out of Kristaps as well, um, hopefully in a way that Rick Carlisle was not necessarily able to. Yeah, it sounds like um, from reports, the Mavs are definitely moving towards a sort of team approach with their coaching staff and general management staff instead of, you know, the reports coming out at the end of the year that is a little bit fractured, maybe with Luca and Rick Carlisle in the front office. They were just all on different pages. Um, so it sounds like they're going with the team approach. And honestly, I mean, that's kind of what you have to do. You have Luka Doncic mm -hmm. in hand right now, and it would be just, you know, a shame to just put a coach out there that he doesn't like i know old old heads don't love that they sh you should play for whatever coach is out there and do whatever he says but that's just not the way it is it's a yep. player driven league so that's the, that's the reality of the nba these days is it's star driven league and sometimes you gotta concentrate on making your star happy and that's actually the most important thing so i definitely do not disagree with that yeah, and you see with the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals now, you mentioned like player development, those three draft picks they had. Um, if they could turn, you know, somehow one of those draft picks into a Mikhail Bridges type player, um, not necessarily the same type of game, but just, you know, production wise being a consistent player. And then also a guy like Cam Johnson on the Suns, who was yep. a late draft pick. And, you know, he, he goes out there and he produces. So absolutely. The Mavs, honestly, tough to admit but it's the truth the Mavs do not have 
those success stories in their organization. The only two relevant players they've drafted in the last like five, six years have been Luca and Jalen Brunson. And obviously Luca has been great for us. Brunson has been pretty good too, but ultimately I see him as kind of the sixth man of the team for the future. I would love to get a starting quality wing out of, you know, a Josh Green or a Tyler Bay if we could. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that our player development will improve under under Carlisle. I mean, sorry, under Jason Kidd. Yeah, Jason Kidd. Um, I did hear some rumors, you know, about Rick Carlisle kicked around the NBA circles saying that, you know, he had basically an agreement in place when it looked like the Bucks were going to lose in the um, Eastern Conference finals that he was going to step right in. Budenholzer was going to be out. He was going to step right in. And that's kind of why there was that mutual parting. I'm not sure if you buy I'm into not going to lie. I, I thought that was going to happen. Um, you know, I've I've kind of always defended Rick in Mavs communities over the years. I think he's actually an excellent coach. Um, I actually think he was almost too good at times where he got a couple more wins than he should have out of our pretty crummy rosters in uh, Dirk's final years there. So I certainly think he's a very good coach and was going to have success elsewhere. And I thought the Bucks would be very interested in him. Um, although I would imagine they'll probably keep Budenholzer now um, with him going all the way to the finals. But And obviously Carlisle has already accepted a different job. But I actually, when I first heard that rumor, I thought this this kind of rings true to me. Yeah, and you see that sometimes with NBA coaches, especially, um, you know, there's obviously exceptions like Greg Popovich. And I think Steve Kerr is going to be in Golden State, you know, as long as he wants to be. He's one of those type of coaches. But um, you see that sometimes where they just wear out their welcome, so to speak. They're still a really good NBA head coach, but they just need a fresh start somewhere else. And I think that's yep. the case with Rick Carlisle. I, I agree. And I'm I'm going to be rooting for him to succeed with uh, Indiana. I mean, he gave the Mavs our one and only title ever. So I have absolutely no ill will towards him and hope he does well. Yeah. And then also in the front office, um, brought in a relatively unknown name to um, NBA fans, Nico Harrison, who was Mm -hmm. an executive with Nike. Um, What are kind of the reports going on in Dallas? What do the fans think about that? So this kind of, this along with kid, I think represents a big, well, shift in approach, maybe not a shift in mentality, but it seems pretty clear if I'm reading between the lines here that they brought in Nico Harrison, as you said, executive with Nike, Jason Kidd, former superstar point guard, great relationship with players around the league. It seems to me that they're trying to recruit with these two people in their front office. And it's a little scary as a Mavs fan because that's kind of been Cuban's goal for years and years. We just haven't been that good at it. Um, So the hope is that this new uh, front office and coaching situation will actually be more appealing to star players um, to potentially bring in is that's my guess as to kind of the direction they were going in done a little bit of reading on Nico Harrison. And obviously I, I read about his uh, work at Nike and he's been instrumental in recruiting a lot of uh, basketball players to Nike's brand, especially at young ages. He was basically seen as like Kobe's guy when he was there he has an extremely good relationship with Damian Lillard, whose name has come up a lot in kind of Mav circles after the hiring. There was some post about Nico Harrison only follows one non-Mavs player on Twitter, and it was Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard kind of said good hired when he came out. However, I don't actually see Dame coming to the Mavericks. Basically, we don't have the trade assets to get him anyway, and I don't even know that him and Luca are a great fit. But that's just an example of kind of 
I think the direction they want to go with this new front office is they want guys that are going to be able to have relationships with stars and hopefully attract star power to Dallas because I'm not sure why else you'd hire a guy with Nico Harrison's credentials as kind of the former recruiter for Nike. Yeah, and it's it's the same idea there uh, with Michael Finley also being retained. They're, I think they're going for a sort of a team approach as yep. Nico Harrison maybe has the recruiting arm. And then Michael Finley has been in the front office for a few years now, um, coaching staff front office. So he kind of knows yeah, what's going sure. around in Dallas. He knows the lay of the land. So going with the team approach there. Um, Michael Finley, by the way, one of my probably my favorite besides Dirk. You know, everybody likes Dirk, but Michael I Finley was probably Michael my Finley. favorite Maverick. Yep, he's he's always been a fan favorite amongst all Mavs fans. Um, you know, he just he gave it his all for the Mavs for a long time, and obviously stuck around in the front office afterwards. Yeah, you love to see it. Um, you kind of already answered this question, but my my next question was. Will the Mavs take a big swing this offseason, or do you see them standing pat for the most part? So this is a tricky one because I've thought about this a lot. Um, the way our salary cap is set up, basically this is our offseason that we're going to have the most flexibility because if all goes as he has indicated it will, uh, Luka Doncic will sign a Supermax extension this summer that will kick in next year. Um, and we will no longer be able to get to a max contract spot once that happens with him and Kristaps both on the books. However, we do have room to potentially get to a max this summer. Obviously, originally the pipe dream would have been Giannis for this year. That was out the window before the season even started. You know, if Kawhi does choose, he doesn't want to go back to the Clippers. I certainly would absolutely want the Mavericks to go after him a, elite wing score and elite wing defender is basically exactly what they need. So he would be perfect. However, I also don't really think that's going to happen. I can't imagine Kawhi doing everything he did to get to the Clippers, enjoying kind of all of the perks that he's been given with the Clippers organization. And honestly, the fact that the Clippers are pretty successful this year and probably would be in the NBA finals if he were healthy. So I, I don't see him leaving. However, if he did, I would want him as Mav. I think some of the more realistic targets are probably maybe Kyle Lowry, even Mike Conley, although I imagine he'll probably go back to Utah. Um, DeMar DeRozan's name has been thrown out there, and I could potentially see him being a fit as someone that can create for both himself and others when Luka doesn't have the ball. Uh, a couple other names that I've jotted down is Norman Powell, I think could be interesting, um, kind of a scorer shooter. Rashawn Holmes maybe at center position. Um, and then also, unfortunately, there's a couple of restricted free agents that I think would be good fits on the Mavs in John Collins and Jared Allen, or maybe mm -hmm. even Lonzo Ball. However, the restricted game is always tough. I'm not sure any of their teams would actually let them go. So we'll, we'll see. And, you know, the Mavs are going to have some decisions to make on their own free agents as well, particularly Tim Hardaway Jr., whose contract is up after the season and has been very good for the Mavs in his time uh, since coming over with Chris Stops. Um, so we'll see. I would love to have Hardaway back, and I think we could potentially sign someone else first and then go over the cap to re-sign him. But sometimes, you know, those guys don't want to wait around for their contract offer while you're, you know, giving up meetings and offers to everybody else. So it's it's a delicate game to play. Um, we're, we're just going to have to see what Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd are thinking, because honestly, I think they could go a variety of different ways and almost nothing would surprise me. Yeah. I think the biggest, like you mentioned, if Kawhi is there and he's interested, obviously, you know, you're going down that route. If 
yeah. nobody really knows what's going on in Kawhi's head. Um, yeah. I think, like you mentioned, if the Clippers would have flamed out again in round two, it might be a different story. There would be a lot more reports if Kawhi's going to opt out. But with the success they had, like you said, they probably, if he doesn't get hurt, they're probably walking into the NBA Finals. Um, it would be a close series, but I think more more than likely um, they were playing a lot better, especially with Kawhi yeah. and Paul George playing at a high level. They're probably in the NBA Finals right now. So At the very least, it's a toss-up. I mean, they, they're right there. Yeah. So, yeah, if Kawhi's interested, you're interested. Uh, I think that's just a given. The other thing is, can they move off Kristaps Porzingis if the rumors are true, if he doesn't have a relationship with Luka whatsoever? Um, you know, he's kind of lost a lot like Ben Simmons, who we're going to talk about, lost a lot of his trade value over yep. the past couple years. Um, the only thing I can really see realistically, especially with the move that was just made, was Kemba Walker was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are famous for grabbing a guy on the last year of his contract and dumping him and picking up a draft pick along the way. So the, mm-hmm. I, I could see that um, if the Mavs are interested in dumping Kristaps Porzingis, swapping him for Kemba Walker, and they'd probably have to give up either a young player or a draft pick along the way with it. I, I really hope that doesn't happen, honestly. I've seen rumors of that as well, but in my mind, you know, Kemba Walker is a point guard. Our best player is also a point guard. Um, I don't really love his fit next to Luka. Um, I also think, you know, Kemba is, I don't know if this is right, but I'm pretty sure he's 31, 32. He's at least in his 30s and is a small guard with bad knees that doesn't have a history of aging well. I'd rather take a chance on our 26-year-old center with bad knees than a 32-year-old, you know, smaller guard. Um, And I... I just don't want to trade Kristaps while his value is at peak low. Um, I don't think it'd be a smart move for the Mavericks organization, especially not if we're having to give up Kristaps and picks just to get back Kemba Walker, who needed a pick attached to him to get dealt for Al Horford. Like in my mind, that doesn't really make sense for the Mavs to, to pursue, but you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe uh, Nico and Jay kid see something I don't, but I, I honestly think that at this point, we're just kind of stuck with Kristaps and we got to hope for the best. Even if that means we just hope for the best for a couple months at the beginning of next season and we look to move him at the deadline or, you know, maybe he's used in a sign and trade for one of those restricted free agents or even if Kawhi does decide he wants to come or Dame decides he wants to go play in Dallas, maybe he's a part of a sign and trade or something like that. Obviously, in both of those cases, I would expect the Mavs to give up quite a bit more. Um, But, you know, for better or worse, I think because his value is so low right now compared to what. It could be. I don't think it makes any sense to deal him right now. Yeah, and like you mentioned, Dame Lillard as well. I think that's the most natural fit if you were to go go that route for another superstar um, besides Kawhi. Kawhi, we're going to go there for free agency. Um, you know, reading the tea leaves, a lot of credible sources have said, you know, Dame Lillard's sort of inching towards um, I want out of Portland. So mm-hmm. I could see that in his relationship with Nico Harrison. How would you see that fit if that were to come true and you were to somehow deal for Dame Lillard with Luke on the court? I mean, it'd be interesting. Um, to be honest, it's not the cleanest fit, but I would still do it in a heartbeat because of the sheer talent upgrade that Dame would provide. Um, but, you know, it's one of those situations where they're both clearly 1A options on their current teams. And who's taking the last shot at end of games. That's something that both of them do and do at a high level. 
Um, you know, who's the primary playmaker since both of them kind of nominally play point guard, although certainly Luca's big enough that he usually matches up with uh, not the point guard on the opposite team. But in terms of who's running the offense, I think they'd probably do a little bit of back and forth in terms of possession to possession, which could be really great for Luca. Honestly, he hasn't really had someone that he trusts enough to do that on this current Mavs team since he's been there. So I, I think the potential potentially it'd be great. Obviously they haven't had a second star like that in years, uh, having probably since Nash and Dirk were on the same team, they haven't had two guys that good together. However, I still am not sure that I even see a way for it to happen. Even if, even if Dame says, you know, Nico's my guy, I love him. Jason Kidd was the coach I wanted to play for all along. Get me to Dallas. Then it becomes what assets do we have to give up? And unless Dame is like making it clear that Dallas is the only place he wants to go, I'm not sure how we could top some of the other offers out there anyhow. Um, so I'm I'm not super optimistic about that actually happening. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. The only thing I could see is a James Harden situation where I don't see Dame doing this, but maybe you never know. You know, he starts out yep. the season not necessarily out of shape because I don't see Dame Lillard doing that, but you know, he makes it clear that he wants out and he's not necessarily getting along with his teammates and he's kind of doing whatever he has to do on the court to get through the, through the day to day. And then, you know, making it clear that he, he wants out and he wants to go to Dallas. So he could force their hand that way. Yep. Let's hope that happens, but I'm I'm not expecting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lots to be Mavericks definitely have an interesting off season ahead of them. Interesting couple off seasons the next couple yeah. years. So we'll, we will well, see. You- you know, it's, it's something crazy just to think about for the Mavs is they are not a team that does transition. Rick Carlisle was there for 13 years. Donnie Nelson was GM for 24 years, and they both are out this offseason. So they haven't had a shakeup like this in a decade, at least, um, if not longer. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see where the franchise starts heading in, in the coming years. Yeah, for sure. And then... There has been some talk. I've seen some posts about it, the retrospective of the 2018 draft, because Trey Young, you know, got farther this playoffs than Luka Doncic ever has. I'm not going to go down the road of who's better, Trey Young or Luka Doncic. I, I think that's pretty ridiculous at this point to do. Um, hey, but I think I'm it happy, is possible. I'm happy yeah. for Atlanta and their fans, and they can choose to believe whatever they want. But yeah, exactly. And I we think don't have to go down that path. <laughs> even with the Phoenix Suns, uh, DeAndre Ayton was taken number one overall. I remember early on in that draft, it was all about you know the Suns are taking Luca, the Suns are taking Luca, and then it kind of transitioned over to DeAndre Ayton. And I think it's possible um, that Luca is the best player out of that draft, but it worked out the best for all all sides. I mean, I think that is completely possible. I think that's not only possible, but pretty probable at this point, with the exception of the Kings, you'd probably want to do over. But certainly of uh, of the teams that selected first, third, and fifth, I think all three are pretty happy with how that, that draft worked out for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, that was a stacked draft. You also had uh, some flameouts. Uh, Mo Bamba was in there, top five as well. That didn't work out so well. And then uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., I, I'm not going to say he flamed out. He was an early pick for the Memphis Grizzlies, um, yep. but he's had some injury issues as well. But that that draft was pretty stacked, and I think it's possible, especially if Aiton gets a ring this year, that it worked out best for all sides. So uh, yep. that's, that's as far as I'll go down that road. <laughs> um, so let's transition over to 
the exorcism of Ben Simmons. And I'm just going to lay out here and let, let me hear your take first. I, I'm pretty sure I agree with most of it, but I just want to hear your side. Well, as anyone that's read much of my posts about him on the app, I think it's clear that I am in a minority that still rates Simmons very, very highly. Um, I honestly think he's absolutely a flawed player. Anyone that says otherwise is kidding themselves. I don't think he's not flawed. Um, however, I do believe he's extremely over-criticized. Um, after the Sixers lost in the playoffs this year, it seemed like all of a sudden Ben Simmons was no longer a three-time all-star, two-time all-defense player, but actually the worst player in the history of postseason basketball. And that is not true, in my opinion. Um, I've always thought that uh, he is not held to the same, or he's held to a different standard, I should say, than both Joel Embiid and even Tobias Harris at this point. Something that blew my mind was after the game five where they blew the huge lead, Atlanta ended up winning. I found, you know, everything blasting Simmons the next day. It was, this guy is terrible. Can't believe we lost that game. It's all Simmons' fault. He can't shoot free throws. I looked up stats on that game from the box score right before I came on here. Simmons had a bad game. He had eight points, nine rebounds, four, or I'm sorry, eight points, nine assists, four rebounds. He also had a rating of plus seven overall on his on-off in that game. Ben Simmons also is not the 76ers leading scorer. He never was. Tobias Harris was. Tobias Harris in that game had four points, same number of free throws Ben Simmons made, four rebounds and three assists, and was minus 10 overall. Tobias Harris must have been the happiest player in the world after that game because I've never seen another scenario where a guy on a max contract who's the second leading scorer of his team scores four points in a playoff game, is minus 10, and has absolutely not a bad word said about them because all of the blame has been directed elsewhere. So I think that's just like a perfect example of how Ben is just held to a different standard because of his one obvious fault. Um, whereas, you know, there's blame that goes all the way around, not just to Simmons. And, you know, you see that with Embiid a lot as well. Obviously, Embiid had a great season. It'd be dumb to say Simmons is a better player than him at this point. He has not shown that. However, you know, Joel still deserves some of the blame as well. Um, I saw this stat that he had eight turnovers in both games six and seven, and that's the first time in history that that had occurred for any player. Um, obviously, you don't want your star player turning the ball over almost double-digit times um, in elimination games. So that's something that he needs to work on as well. And honestly, I just think that at this point, um, Philly is kind of decided that they're done with Simmons, whether the organization has or not seems the fan base has, and I don't think there's coming back from that at this point. It seems that both the organization and the fans have just kind of said, this is not who we're building around. Um, you know, they didn't build a, con a really cohesive team to highlight his strengths anyway, and that's not necessarily their fault because they decided they wanted to build around Embiid, and building around Embiid and building around Simmons would have taken pretty different approaches, and it seems that they're probably not meant to play together at this point. So, so be it. Um, I do think it's pretty funny that with all the uh, speculation that he'll be traded now, he went from, in the eyes of a lot of Philly fans, the worst player in the history of basketball to we should be getting Dame Lillard for him in a, the course of like a week or two. So I think that's kind of funny to see his trade value uh, go from zero to back to relatively high, uh, at least in some people's opinions. 
ultimately, I do think he will get traded, and I want to see him on a team where I think he can be better utilized. Uh, I would love to see him play on a more up-tempo team because, I mean, his game is built for transition where he thrives and open playing style, which Philly doesn't do when they're built around a post player who is the best player on their team. So I I do think he needs to change the scenery. Um, I also do think his value is going to be relatively high. I don't think it's Dame high. I don't think they could get Dame unless Dame again makes some sort of demand that he wants to end up in Philadelphia. However, um, I do think a CJ McCollum swap is possible. The three that I actually really have kind of kept my eye on as potential destinations um, are, I actually heard the report that Minnesota is interested in him, and I kind of like that fit. I think you have a center in Cat who loves to shoot three-pointers and play on the perimeter. Um, you have a dynamic wing scorer in, in uh, Anthony Edwards, who's going to love playing in transition with a guy like Ben Simmons. And, you know, those can be your two leading scorers and Ben Simmons can be your third leading scorer and not be responsible for closing out games, which it seems is kind of what he was expected to do in Philly for some reason, even though that was never his skill set. Um, so I actually do kind of like that fit. If you could see D'Angelo Russell and maybe some, something else going the other direction, um, the dream fit for me, man, I would love to see him get traded for Brandon Ingram. I think him playing in New Orleans with Zion and potentially if they keep Lonzo around, just the athleticism and the pace that that team would play at, I think would be awesome. And that team in general had no problem scoring the ball. They had problems stopping people. And Ben Simmons is the guy that you bring in to stop people. Um, you know, some people say he's not worth Brandon Ingram. I actually think it's pretty obvious that he is worth Brandon Ingram. Um, Simmons, like I said before, is a three-time All-Star, two-time All-Defense, one-time All-NBA. Brandon Ingram's a one-time All-Star and got worse this year playing next to Zion. Uh, so in terms of credentials, if you just stack them up, Simmons is actually ahead of Ingram, I think, by pretty much any logical reasoning. Just he's had bad playoff uh, showings, and you know Brandon Ingram hasn't even had a playoff showing. So who knows what he'll, he'll be. Um, so I think that would be a really, really interesting trade if uh, those teams were interested in exploring that. Um, and then the one other team that I don't think they'll actually get involved because I think they're probably just going to build with what they have. But I've always thought that Sacramento would be a really interesting team for him. That's um, interesting. I would love to see him and Fox play in the same team and just be the most dynamic athletic team in the league probably especially if they can retain buddy healed i would think in any sort of trade probably be halliburton would be the guy that um philly might ask for is kind of i mean if they're getting rid of ben simmons they're probably going to want someone that can do some playmaking for them because they really don't have anyone else that can do that and a guy like halliburton who showed promise as a rookie um really probably is a point guard but is playing the two guard off of uh fox in sacramento could see him going the other way but i think that'd be a really interesting fit to see that could be another team where he kind of is the is the hub of the team or at least him and fox would be the hubs of the team and kind of be responsible for playmaking and building the rest of the organization around those two guys two guys that are extremely athletic and would like to play a more up-tempo style because i still i still have a lot of belief in simmons um I do think he will succeed in the NBA. I think he already has succeeded, but I think he will continue to succeed and do better. Um, I don't necessarily think that will be in Philadelphia at this point. I just think 
that bridge may be too broken to uh to really sustain success yeah I think regardless of even if Ben Simmons didn't have you know the breakdown in the playoffs this was probably the last ride for Embiid and Simmons regardless you know they've been going at this for Embiid's been hurt a few times but they've tried this for three or four years now and it just hasn't paid off they tried to blame Brett Brown um, which I think is some of that was definitely fair he wasn't the best coach in the world um but then also you know they brought in Doc Rivers looked really good in the in the regular season this year and it was all fixed and then get to the playoffs and not so much you know not a lot of adjustments by Doc Rivers yep and and don't get me wrong at all I'm not here to tell you Ben Simmons had a great playoffs I don't think he had a good showing in the playoffs like everybody else does however I do think there was too big of an overreaction to his his poor play and also it seems pretty clear at this point that he's a guy that kind of does get in his own head and as soon as the fans started getting on him for missing free throws that was going to make the problem worse not better um so i think he needs a new organization where they're ready to kind of fully embrace him and build him up a little bit more because i think he does need that and you know you could say that oh that means he's not mentally tough and he's not going to be good or whatever but i don't think that's necessarily true i think that is situational i think everyone kind of struggles in certain situations and does better in others so We'll have to see how it plays out, but I, I definitely will tell you this. I'm not going to be selling my Ben Simmons stock anytime soon. I'm holding on to that because I think he's still going to be a very, very good player in this league for a long time. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. I, I, I bought some more when it when it bottomed out there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like you said. I think the days of hoping that he's going to be some 20, 25 point per game scorer, those are long gone. Those were gone for me two years ago. Like I'm not expecting yeah. him to be a 20 point per game scorer at any point, but if he can be that fa- human fast break, um, play high level defense like he does every single game, um, you know, he, he's in my eyes, he's the most valuable defender in the NBA right now. I would agree. Some people, you know, they're going to look at the advanced metrics and say Rudy Gobert, but um, I think, you know, Ben Simmons is more valuable to me because he can play more positions defensively than Rudy Gobert. And if you can isolate Gobert on the outside, you can take him to the rim. But that's just me. I, I would agree with you. But, you know, that's a conversation that's been had before as well. So we don't have to get too far into that. I do want to yeah. ask you real quick. Um, I know you're a Bulls fan. What do you think of Ben Simmons potential to fit on the Bulls and who would you potentially give up to? Uh, to go after him because if you are a believer in him honestly just thinking about your team off the top of my head right now I kind of like his fit there um yeah I, would you give the, up with the question assuming it wouldn't want to be Levine yeah well I think unfortunately it would have to be Levine um all the other guys we had it I mean Laurie Markinen, if he was better you could do a sign-in trade with him but he just hasn't been consistent at all so he really doesn't have much value I think he's a restricted free agent this offseason maybe he's unrestricted one of the two but he's definitely a free agent this offseason um you know I don't see him really having much value we have Kobe White who's a young player but again he's on a small contract and he's been up and down to say the least I was thinking something about Kobe White or Patrick Williams potentially as being you know guys that get you that value um because they are young with promise but their contracts would be tough to to swap for Simmons for sure it would have to be Levine and I personally I I would have no problem with it I really like Levine and he's improved he's one of the quiet you know 
quiet stars of the league. He's he's yep, gotten better every single he year. He's so much goals. better this past yeah. year. Just looking at his, um, particularly his shooting efficiency, I noticed just got way way better this past year. So I definitely think he's um he's a little bit of a quiet star, as he said. Yeah, and he's he's super clutch as well, especially when you consider. Um, if you're playing the Bulls, let's say you're the let's say you're the 76ers and you're playing the Bulls, and um, with their current roster, it's a two-point game with 10 seconds left. You already know who's getting the ball. It's going to be yep. Zach Levine. There's nobody else yep. that's really going to take that shot unless you triple-team him and somebody's wide open for a dunk. So everybody knows he's getting the ball and he still makes the shots. He still makes the plays. So I think Zach Levine is a great player, but I would personally not mind them seeing seeing him go for Ben Simmons, bringing in Ben Simmons, just because I don't, I don't see this Bulls team the way it is really going very far anyways, even with Zach Levine. So it's, I would just roll the dice, take a chance. You'd rather kind of uh, shake up the core of the team and try something new rather than just try and add to what you guys have going. Yeah. If we bring in Ben Simmons, uh, ship Levine out, you know, develop Patrick Williams. He had a solid rookie season. Kobe White can kind of share the ball handling responsibilities. He's not a primary point guard. He's shown that he's sort of an off off ball scoring guard. But if he can share some of that load, uh, I think he got a solid core there. Well, it, it's funny. Um, some of my best friends are uh, Sixers fans and used to always talk to me about, you know, who would be the right backcourt partner for Ben Simmons to kind of accentuate some of his uh, lack of shooting ability and one name that we used to always throw around probably two years ago was Kobe White would be a perfect fit next to Ben Simmons. And I could actually see that because, you know, White's a good shooter, good scorer, but isn't maybe as good a playmaker as you want from a point guard. So really you're turning him into a combo guard and letting Simmons do more of the facilitating. Um, that would be an interesting fit if they did end up making a deal for him. Yeah, and then they do have that. They they made that Vucevic trade last season. So they do have yep. that inside out type of center. Vucevic shoots it a lot more from the outside than he used to. Wasn't thrilled about how he played for the Bulls um, after he got traded. I don't know. It it could have just been, you know, not a great fit. He was just getting used to playing around those guys. It could be a number of things. I don't think Vucevic is a bad player, um, but I personally, I didn't like leveraging the trade, um, the draft pick with that trade. I I do think that's a trade that you're going to have to, see how next year plays out before you can really judge because like you said they got him mid-season who knows how he was adjusting if I recall you can correct me if I'm wrong on this but wasn't Levine out for a period like as soon as you got Vooch as well Mm -hmm. yeah so I think you got to reserve judgment but obviously it doesn't feel great to end up losing a lottery pick and have nothing to show for it up to this point yeah, ultimately, I, I don't see a world in which the, sw- the Simmons-Levine swap happens. I just think, you know, the Bulls executives, that'd be such a big risk for them. And it would just look so bad on them. Um, people are going to flame them. So ultimately, yeah. I don't think they do it. I, I think ultimately with Simmons, the likeliest swap, in my opinion, would be for C.J. McCollum. Um, because I do think that Portland needs to shake up something and they're going to prefer not to move Dame. Um, so I, I think that swap is probably the likeliest landing spot. However, I still think the three most fun destinations in my mind for where he could end up and really, really thrive would be New Orleans, um, probably in exchange for Brandon Ingram. If they decide that the Ingram Zion pairing is not something that they think is going to be long-term successful, 
which honestly I don't. So maybe they don't as well. Um, like I said, Minnesota, who clearly has already shown interest for him. I actually think he'd be a great fit alongside um, Cat and uh, Anthony Edwards. So I think that's an option. And then Sacramento is just kind of my wild card. I want to see it. Um, I don't know how realistic that is, but I do think I'd be I'd be pretty interested in tuning into some Kings games if I saw him and Fox just wreaking havoc in transition. Yeah, yeah, those would be fun for sure. I, I really like the Minnesota. That's probably my favorite realistic destination right now. Some people mention the Warriors and the Spurs, but I, I really don't see them making those moves. Um, Me neither. Yeah, so the Timberwolves, like you mentioned, um, Carl Anthony Towns, people forget they talk about the Timberwolves really bad. You know, they're this horrible team. Carl Anthony Towns is a loser. Kind of the yeah. same things they say with Ben Simmons. He doesn't work hard in the offseason like they know him personally or something. But um, yeah. that's that's besides the point. But I could see Carl Anthony Towns, if you watch Timberwolves games when he's healthy, he's actually a pretty solid defender as well. He, he's good on offense. He's one of the best offensive centers. But he's he can block some shots. He can protect the rim a little bit. And with him healthy, Ben Simmons, Anthony Edwards, like you mentioned, ship out D'Lo. Um, you've got some pieces to build around. Yep. Oh, I I definitely think if they are interested, um, they're their team to watch out for. It. And it appears they are interested. I guess it just depends on if the Sixers want D'Lo back, because I think that's the the logical piece that would have to go the other direction. Yeah, that would definitely be an offensive for defensive swap. So Philly fans, I, I don't see why after all that, you know, offensive, he doesn't shoot the ball talk. You wouldn't be interested yeah. in that. I don't see why not. D'Angelo Russell's a pretty good shooter. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, he's he's going to put up points. He's going to put up shots. That is for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll see in the offseason. You see sometimes with trade value and trade targets like Ben Simmons, it'll go, it'll hit the floor and then it'll go up a little bit. Then it'll go down a little bit. Um, so it, it, it may take a while before he's dealt. Agreed. And you know, Maury's a smart guy. He's never one to act super rash based on fan response. So I think he for sure is going to slow play the market a little bit and find out exactly what he can get in return. And it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, he doesn't even trade Simmons before the season starts. And if he still is looking to move Simmons, but potentially at the trade deadline and maybe wants to let other teams see him play next year a little bit to get that uh, value back up. So we'll have to see. But I definitely think Maury's going to be a diligent and make sure he gets the best and the most in return for Simmons if and when he's traded. Yeah. And my final thought on the whole Ben Simmons thing, we kind of hashed it out a little bit here, but. NBA fans today, they say, a lot of people say, you know, it's it's way too offensively centered. We need more defenders. We need more defense. Uh, nobody cares about defense. And then you have a guy like Simmons, who's kind of the opposite. He's the antithesis. He gets yep. a, He's the human fast break on offense, so he does that thing well. But that's kind of the best thing. He can distribute on offense. That's what he does on offense. He's never going to put up 30 points a game or anything like that. But on yep. the defensive end, He's one of the best players in the league, but they yep. just kind of ignore that fact and gloss over that fact. Well, I think a lot of it comes back to him just being the number one overall pick and kind of to especially a Philly fan base that was promised the process. And, you know, our one our number one overall pick is going to be the superstar of the league, the next LeBron James or whoever. And the reality is Simmons is a great player, but he's not the type of player that they anticipated. 
He's not a number one offensive option. He's not necessarily a closer because he's not a great free throw shooter. He's just a guy who's an incredible defender and is going to be efficient with his shots selection. Um, he's just not going to shoot as much as you want, and he's going to be a great distributor and great in transition. But, you know, if that's not what you were anticipating, you might be a little disappointed in what you got. Yeah, and I understand it from the Philadelphia fans' perspective. Of course, it's going to be frustrating when you see a guy with physical tools like that. And you see this sometime, sometimes in baseball. This is a possibility to me as well. They call it the yips. Some pitchers yep, have got this before. Um, and I think that when he passed up that dunk, that was like showing me. I was like, oh, no. Text, this text guy, is, he might have the yips. He is like completely yeah. in his head right now. You might be right. I mean, I think it seems pretty clear, especially with the free throws and with the not shooting, you know, the dunk that you mentioned and just his whole like fourth quarter not shooting numbers. A lot of that's got to be mental. And if a guy is struggling mentally and then hears his own fan base criticizing him constantly, that's not going to improve his his uh, performance, at least in most cases. You know, some people are built differently, but it appears that's not the case with Ben. So we'll have to see if and where he ends up um, if they respond to him a little bit differently and maybe expectations are different and we'll have to see how he does yeah oddly enough uh they had a situation in philly recently with markel fultz one of their other number one picks he had that mysterious nobody really could tell what the injury was with his shoulder or he just didn't want to shoot the ball or he had a weird shooting hitch a lot of the talking the yips with him too yeah yeah, and then he gets to Orlando. Um, he's not a knockdown shooter by any stretch of the imagination, but he shoots the ball and he's efficient, 17, 20 points a game when he's healthy. Um, so maybe it's just a change of pace, maybe a little bit out of the spotlight for Ben Simmons, and he'll be a much better player. Yep. Yep, so we will see. Uh, that was the Ben Simmons exorcism. We released the demons. Um, but people kind of pick their sides on that, so we'll see how yeah. that all shakes out. I- I think most people's opinions are already made up. And unfortunately, I think a lot of uh, people, especially the younger generation of fans, think that every superstar is Steph Curry and has to shoot from 30 feet and has to score 30 points or you're not a great player and definitely can't be a star. And I think Ben Simmons is, you know, the opposite of that, where he's a star in everything but his his scoring and his shooting ability. And there are people that just think that's not not good for the modern NBA, that you need to be better other things, namely shooting. So we'll never, we'll never appreciate that he does everything else and have already made up their mind. That's for them to decide whether uh, they ever want to change that opinion. Yeah, I, I think you're right on with that. Before we go, um, we got to do it. The NBA Finals coming up uh, starting this week. Suns and Bucks. I, I haven't looked today. I don't know what the most recent stories are on Giannis and his health and the overall health of the Bucks and Suns. Um, maybe you can update me. Is is Giannis going to play game one? Um, I hadn't seen anything come out today. Uh, you know, the last I had heard was that he would have been questionable for game seven had there been a game seven. And that leads me to think that same designation would carry into game one, that he'll be questionable and maybe can play. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I certainly think if Giannis isn't playing, the Bucks aren't going to win the series, or if he's playing even compromised, they're probably not going to win the series. However, I think Giannis is the kind of guy that if he can give it a go, he's going to give it a go, even if he's in pain. It just seems that that's kind of the way he's built. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see him game one. Um, I think 
I'm pretty confident that he will play at some point in the series, even if it's not game one. I think he'll be back game two or three at the latest. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him give it a go game one either. Yeah, uh, he's definitely that type of personality, and I think he understands that the NBA Finals, it's not a given that you're ever going to get back yep. here. So you're Absolutely. here now. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely say things broke right for them this year in terms of the Nets sustaining those injuries. They didn't even have to face the Sixers, who were the one seed. Like, you're in the finals now. Show up and, and try and win them. Yeah, so we will see. And then on the other side, uh, everybody's favorite story, we've got Chris Paul going for his first ring, his first finals appearance. Um, who Who's your overall pick? Would you pick the Suns or the Bucks right now? Well, I will just say real quick, I think it's great that either Giannis or CP3 is walking out of this with the ring because those are two guys that I think anyone who's a basketball fan just roots for those two kind of inherently. They are both guys that seem to have done it the right way their entire careers and are easy to root for. So it feels good that one of them is getting their first ring out of this no matter what. In terms of my actual pick, um, obviously, as I kind of hinted at before, I think it comes down to Giannis's health. I think that's not an uncommon take. It will come down to Giannis's health. I personally think if he's healthy, the Bucks are the better team. Um, I think they match up pretty well with with um, Phoenix, excuse me. And I think, assuming he's healthy, I would pick Bucks in seven. However, if he's compromised at all, I think Phoenix takes it, and there's a decent chance that is the case. You know, we also we've unfortunately seen a ton of injuries happen throughout this playoffs, and if any significant player on either team goes down game three, that could change the outcome of the series as well. So you never know. But if I were a betting man, and in truth I am a little bit, um, I probably am rolling with the Bucks as kind of the team that I think I think this is their time. Like I said before, it just kind of broke right for them. I think people have kind of been underestimating them for the entire season just because everyone thought they were going to be a final team last year and weren't. Um, I really think that this team's got something special and I think Giannis is the best player on either team. And if he's healthy, he can dominate even going against Deandre Aiden, potentially who's been great this postseason. Um, I just, I kind of like the matchup for the bucks. You know, they've got good defenders to throw at the guards. Um, I think they get it done. Yeah, all in all, I think we're all just hoping for healthy and a good series. Uh, there are yep, some series in the past that um, go seven games, but they're kind of bad series. I think of that Cavaliers-Golden State Warriors series where Cavs won by 30, then the Warriors won by like yep, 30. Every game was a blowout. Yeah. And then yep. you get to game seven and nobody can make it. It was a great game. It had the moments. Don't get me wrong. Kyrie hit the shot. LeBron got the block. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it was kind of like an 85. I don't remember the final score, but nobody could make a shot in the last two minutes until Kyrie finally hit the shot. No, and and I'm for sure with you. Like above all, I'm a Mavs fan first, Nugs fan second. Neither of these are my two teams. So I'm just going to root for a good series. And, you know, I like both Giannis and Chris Paul. And as I said, I'll be happy for whichever one of them ends up winning. So definitely just, just hoping for good basketball above all else. Yeah, and the Giannis Redemption Tour, kind of similar to Ben Simmons um, early on in this postseason when the Bucks weren't looking so hot, looked like they were going to lose. A lot of people saying, you know, Giannis is never going to win. He's not going to be a superstar level player anymore. I don't want to hear about his MVP awards, their fake MVP awards. So 
I mean, he can literally just flip that on yeah. his head just you, by winning. You saw all those takes happening, and he could easily walk away Finals MVP with his first rank now, and it wouldn't shock anyone at this point. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. Um, did you have any takes going out the door? Anything you wanted to shout out? Um, not off the top of my head. Just excited for the finals. Um, excited to see what the Mavs offseason holds, especially with all the transition going on there. And, you know, always, always good to come on and chop it up a little with you. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Well, I thank you for coming on. And uh, I will talk to you next time. I'm sure we'll talk in the offseason as things get going here. Yep, for sure. Thanks for having me. Simmons, uncontested, had a layup, but he leaves it for Thibault.